great. You've been loading up on things from Walmart? Yeah, I used my new Capital One Walmart Rewards card. It earns unlimited 5% back on everything I buy from Walmart online. Say what? 5% back. Say what? 5% back. Say what now? 5% back. With what? The Capital One Walmart Rewards card. Earn unlimited rewards, including 5% back at Walmart online on top of Walmart's everyday low prices. What's in your wallet? Terms and exclusions apply. Capital One N.A. You are listening to the Already Gone podcast, sharing stories of the missing, the murdered, the mysterious, and the lost. For the last three weeks, we've been discussing the unsolved murder of 17-year-old Holly Brannigan in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Holly was stabbed to death in the kitchen of her family home on the same day that 100 miles west of Bethlehem, Three Mile Island was in the midst of its now infamous nuclear accident. Holly was a typical 17-year-old girl, a good student. Holly Brannigan was involved in the glee club and managed the boys' soccer team. Holly's brother, Sean, was not a suspect in her murder. He'd been staying at a friend's house the night of the 28th, and the parents of his friend provided his alibi. Holly's father, Dick Brannigan, an executive at Lone Star Concrete, was on his way to Atlantic City to attend a conference. He, too, has a solid alibi for Holly's murder. After last week's episode, two listeners pointed out that strychnine poisoning the cause of death for restaurant owner Tony Soriano in 1985, can cause convulsions. It's possible that Soriano injured himself, fracturing his skull, after ingesting strychnine. Law enforcement determined that there was no foul play in Soriano's death because of the effects of strychnine on the body. If you recall, it's thought that the steam cleaner that malfunctioned and caused the fire an explosion that led to the death of Sean Brannigan came from Soriano's restaurant. Today, we continue our interview with Philadelphia journalist Jim Friedman. Mr. Friedman grew up in Bethlehem. His older sister worked with Holly. Friedman has worked on the Brannigan case for almost 20 years. Today, we are discussing possible suspects in the death of Holly Brannigan. Note that law enforcement has not named a suspect or a person of interest in Holly's death, nor has anyone ever been arrested or charged with her murder. We have an assortment of suspects for who would have killed Holly who would have had a motive, who would have had opportunity. And I know one of the suspects that you and I have talked about is the professor. Yes, there was a professor at a local college, and there have been published reports that this professor had followed a student, a nursing student, and made some inappropriate... How can I put it? It sounds like he was stalking her. It does. Uh, he apparently followed her in his vehicle. He placed something on her front porch and on her car, uh, whether it be a card or a flower or something like that. When the nursing student went to the president of the college or someone of the college to complain about it, the professor was then fired 
because of that. The professor then took her to court to sue her, and she eventually took him to court to sue him because she had to drop out of school and she couldn't pursue her nursing career. Both of those lawsuits, from what I gather, were dropped, and I was unable to locate the nursing student. The professor moved on and changed careers and started a security firm in Bethlehem. And I believe the security firm might have gotten in some trouble also. Yes, that security firm was also taken to court by a client of theirs who claimed that this security firm built her out of cash, and I'm not sure where that case ended up, to be honest with you. And and I want to point out, this was 1980 that the incidences happened at the, at the, at the college. I don't think that there was as much awareness of sexual harassment and stalking. I don't have evidence to back this up, but anecdotally speaking, I think that for him to be fired, he must have been really indulging in some bizarre behavior toward the student because I think a lot of that stuff was shrugged off at that time. I agree. I don't, you know, I was young in 1980, but I do recall a lot of men womanizing, whether it be teachers and students or just in any professional business, men had a tendency to say what was on their mind at the time, and it was kind of ignored. It was a boys Um, will be boys attitude towards a lot of it, I think. Yes, and women were just expected to take it and walk away from it. Um, Luckily, times have changed. Yes, but that jumped out at me that for him to be fired in 1980 for that sort of behavior, it must have been something pretty serious. Yeah, that pretty much ended his career as a professor. Although, in a published report I had read about this incident, the college dean or president fired this professor because he was absent from work for a period of time. It didn't appear he was fired over the behavior. The inappropriate behavior. Interesting. He did end up losing his job at that exact time. Now, whether it was for stalking and harassing a student that was 25 years his junior, um, we can't say for certain, but he did end up losing his job. Correct. Correct. And then that's when he finished his career in teaching and went on to building his own security firm. There is a local private detective in Bethlehem His name is Joe Alertia. He's been in business for many, many years. He runs a detective institute at his office. Where he trains people? Correct. He trains, he teaches. He also works full-time as a private detective on current cases and old cases. This professor ended up working for Joe Alertia. When Joe and I spoke, I've known Joe for many, many years, and Joe and I spoke for the past three or four years about this case. And Joe is another believer that this professor was trying to train himself just in case he was going to be questioned regarding the Holly Brannigan case. That's interesting. Yes. And didn't this professor have sons that went to school with Holly? So there was an actual link between Holly and this gentleman? Yes. This professor had a few sons. One of them allegedly had a relationship with Holly. 
he was a soccer player, and Holly was a manager on the soccer team, so they were known to each other. I'm sure this father was also aware of who Holly was. His son had parties at the house. One of Holly's friends a few years back had told me she had gone to one of these parties, and when she knocked on the door of their home, this professor answered the door and immediately asked if this girl was looking at his crotch. Oh, and again, this is an adult man with teenage sons, so he's in his 40s, and he's talking that way to a teenage girl. Yes. Just wildly inappropriate and, well, gross. Yes, yes. There's a history of this gentleman that goes back for many years. I'm not sure if his wife was aware of all this. I'm sure she did become aware of this once it became published in the local newspapers at the time. But they stayed married until his death. And he also died in the last year or so. Yes. So that is one of your top suspects, having motive and opportunity and someone that Holly would have let in the house and then someone that exhibited some really bizarre and inappropriate behaviors towards girls of Holly's age. Yes. This gentleman is currently my top suspect. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but that doesn't necessarily mean the case couldn't be solved. Especially if his family knows more about what happened with Holly than they've let on. Correct. I've tried numerous times via telephone and social media to contact the family, but I was unable to. And that leads us to our next suspect, and that is the drug seeker. Yes. This boy lived in Holly's neighborhood. He also came from a well-to-do family. He suffered some type of drug problem. And one of his classmates, who I'm still in contact with, told me about this kid and said, you should look into this guy because apparently he used to go around and break into neighbors' homes and steal prescription drugs out of their medicine cabinet or their bedrooms when they weren't home. And it was just a very weird, weird kid. Um, I found him on social media a couple of years ago. While researching this guy, I noticed he had a mutual friend. I reached out to the suspect to find out if he would be interested in talking to me about the Holly Brannigan case uh, numerous times, but he did not respond. So I contacted my mutual friend and asked if he would be able to contact the suspect. I said, just be discreet. See what he says if you bring up the Holly Brannigan name. You know, take it from there. Unfortunately, my friend was much more blunt and sent him a text message saying, I hear you are one of the prime suspects in the Holly Brannigan murder. What what do you know? That's and subtle. He returned, yeah, he returned the text by saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. I had nothing to do with that. And about a month later, my friend got back to me and said, his wife texted my friend and said, this suspect took my credit card and his belongings and left. He said he was going to... South America, and he was not heard of or seen since. And that was about a year ago. 
So a month after your friend makes this inquiry of this third party, the drug seeker, the drug seeker takes his wife's credit card, buys himself a one-way ticket to South America, and is gone. According to her, yes. Wow. And to me, that's not if that's not how an innocent, rehabilitated person would act. No. If uh, you know, doesn't make any sense. So you know, there's another person there that's high on my suspect list that I can't no longer contact. Did he have a criminal record, an arrest record, or was he just known for being in and out of rehab or having chemical dependency issues? As far as I can tell, he did not have any arrest records. His name does pop up on a court docket page from Arizona, where where he lived at the time of my initial contact with him. And it was kind of disturbing. I'm unable to find out if it was this actual person. I don't know how many other people in Arizona have the same name. I I just don't know. You know what I mean? It's just... You can't can't verify that it was him. Yeah. I just can't. But um, it's just strange that he would just pack up and leave after being confronted rather than screaming at the top of his lungs. I didn't do this. I had nothing to do with this. You know, call a detective, call the Bethlehem police, talk to them, let them know exactly what was your alibi, where were you, get your name off the list. Throws up a red flag for me is that it wasn't like a police detective called him wanting to interview him about the case. It was you from the neighborhood following up. Right. But if I if I had a friend call me and tell me that I'm a suspect in a murder, the first thing I think I would do is either call an attorney or... <laughs> the police department investigating it saying, I just got this information. We need to sit down and talk. I don't, you know, I had nothing to do with this. Instead, this guy buys a ticket to South America and isn't heard from since. Call your lawyer first. Right. Always call your lawyer first. Our last suspect that we talked about was B, and she was Mr. Brannigan's secretary at Lone Star and potentially the last person to speak with Holly Brannigan when she called Lone Star Concrete around 4.45 to see if her father had left for his trip to Atlantic City. What can you tell us about B? After many, many months of trying to figure out who B is, we were finally able to obtain a name. I was able to research her family and found her brother is alive and well and still living in Allentown, which borders the city of Bethlehem. Let me preface this by saying, Mr. Brannigan, I had asked Mr. Brannigan during an interview session one day uh, if he recognized the name B, and he said no. B may stand for Elizabeth or Beth, but he could not recall the name of his secretary, and he did say many of us had the same secretary. It was more like a pool secretary system over at this office. I don't know how much time Mr. Brannigan spent in his office, to be honest with you. It sounded like he was on the road a lot and he traveled a lot. He was in sales. He was a sales rep for this concrete company. So it's very likely that he wasn't in the office 40 hours a week. Exactly. But we were able to locate his her brother. I spoke to her brother at length about B. And my recollection is that uh, he didn't think too highly of her. At a very uh, young age. The brother did not he, think highly of his sister. Correct. Very young age, she severed ties with the family and had no contact 
with her parents or her siblings. He also mentioned that, you know, she was in and out of trouble and told me point blank that she was a con artist. So, that, of course, that raised some red flags. The speculation that we had with B is she took a liking to Mr. Brannigan since he lost his wife. She was only a couple of years older than Holly. So as a secretary, she she's met, in her early 20s and has this handsome, widowed, good-earning boss. Yes. And she may have actually babysat Holly and Sean at some point. Since Mr. Brannigan was wealthy, she may have kind of pushed the envelope, and she may have been the one to come through the door, which leads me toward my whole investigation that a woman may have committed this murder. From my experience in covering this kind of stuff, that women who are angry at other women have a tendency to cause a little more damage. Yes. And... Since Holly was stabbed 17, 20 times, it was more of a rage killing than anything. And there was no sexual assault. And Holly would not have hesitated to let her old babysitter in the house. If that was... If that's who it was. was, Yes. Yes. I tried to contact B not too long ago. I'm going to say 8 to 10 months ago. There were a couple of addresses I had for her that I wanted to follow up on, but I still couldn't reach her. Um, Quite frankly, I don't even know if she's still alive. I don't know if she changed her name. During our investigation years ago, we were able to obtain a yearbook photo of who we thought B was, and a friend of mine was able to find another name that she could have been under. And this woman lives up uh, up in New England. She's, of course, aged since then but striking resemblance to who we think B is. This friend of mine wrote a letter to this woman who is a professional and runs her own business, asked her, I think you have that letter. I think I may have seen that letter. Yep, I've seen the letter, and I've seen her response. And we believe she's, we believe it's her. And we believe her response is a lie. So that's the third suspect. And it sounds to me, after After thinking about this even more, I'm fairly positive that's her trying to move on with her life and just forgetting about what had happened. If this B is the person that that you had the picture of, she had some shady boyfriends at that time, didn't she? Uh, Yes. Yeah, she she didn't hang out with the, uh, the honor students. She always looked for a quick buck or a good time. And like, like I said, her, her family wasn't too proud of her. And quite frankly, it sounded like they don't really miss her either. Wow. At least, at least her brother. Okay. That way. I, didn't speak, I didn't speak to all of her family, just to her brother. There's one other person that I wanted to bring up. I had mentioned earlier that Holly had an eye for older men. You wanted to date guys in their late 20s, early 30s. Right. And when Holly worked at the Holiday Inn in Bethlehem, which was only maybe a mile and a half from her house, this is where she worked with my sister. Holly found out that this guy that she kind of had a crush on in her diary, she didn't write his name down. His code was 3-2. We believe 
that this was the guy's age. Oh, wow. He, in my investigation, long before it went into the cold case unit at Northampton County, I was able to view a large amount of paperwork involving Holly's case. The police department and the detectives allowed me to kind of pour over this stuff, but only for a short period of time. And I was just able to quickly jot down some notes. And they did interview 3-2. Do you have a name for this person? In the course of making phone calls to a lot of these people to, to do follow-up investigations on this on, my, on the time that I had, I had found this guy who still lives in the area up here. And when he answered the phone, I asked specifically for this person, and he said, that's me. And I I explained who I was and what I was doing. And I said, I'm working on a story regarding the Holly Brannigan murder. And he said, I had nothing to do with it, and he slammed the phone down. Not the reaction you'd expect. No, not at all. Not at all. Now, that was 15 years ago. And I tried to contact him numerous times since, and I didn't receive any answers. But detectives early on spoke to this person, but I don't know when the latest discussion with him happened, if anything, since. And he's still in the the greater Bethlehem area? He was 15 years ago. You know, I don't know where he is now. He still could be. Does he have but any sort you, of criminal record? Not that I could find. In Pennsylvania, it's kind of hard sometimes to to look up criminal history, especially if it's not felonious. If it's misdemeanors that happened back in the 70s and 80s, once the statute of limitations goes away, your record is expunged, and therefore there's nothing in your criminal history to show for it. 32 years old in 1979. He's an old man now. Yes. 70-something. Yeah, yes. If he's still alive. Right. That's the problem with this case is the the longer it goes, the more people are are dying from from age. Yes. That's what I'm afraid of, that, that, that my prime suspect, and I think it's the same prime suspect that the Bethlehem police have, died last year. And there's no physical evidence to link him via DNA to the murder scene. If there was, this case would have been solved. Because I know during the course of the cold case unit being formed years ago, they had reconvened a grand jury and the district attorney, John Morganelli at the time, came up with the funding to reconvene a grand jury and promised that the Holly Brannigan case would be top priority. That was the case. That was true. He brought in many, many, many witnesses, including our prime suspect. But there was never there was never a presentment made. The case is still kind of up on a shelf somewhere. Quite frankly, thanks to you, it's, it's gaining more attention. I mean, Holly's birthday is going to be December 8th. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. I, I wasn't aware that she had a birthday coming up, but it explains the name. December 8th would be Holly's would have been Holly's birthday. And it's a perfect time to remember this and get the word out. And hopefully someone will come out of the woodwork. And again, the investigating detective is Tom Galloway of the Bethlehem Police Department. 
So if people have information about the case, they should not assume that the police know everything that they know, and they should reach out and contact the Bethlehem Police Department. Yes. Tom Galloway's been working hard on this. I know he's been working very hard on this. Him and other detectives. I know the cold case unit in Northampton County has this case at their at their fingertips. I know John Morganelli's attorney. He played golf with Mr. Brannigan for years. I know John wants this case to be solved. We just need that little bit of information to make it happen. I was able to speak briefly with Detective Tom Galloway regarding this case. Unfortunately, he is unable to comment as this is an open investigation. This concludes our look into the 1979 murder of Holly Brannigan and the death of her brother, Sean, that same year. I want to thank Jim Friedman for sharing his research and knowledge of the case in the community. Already Gone will return next week with Michigan-based case before our 2016 finale on Thursday, December 15th. I'll be taking a much-needed break over the holidays. If you aren't sure what to ask for as a holiday gift, how about tickets to CrimeCon? I'm attending the Indianapolis CrimeCon in June of 2017. If you would like to join us and spend a weekend with like-minded true crime fans, I have a discount for you. Enter A-L-R-D-Y GONE 20 at checkout. That's A-L-R-D-Y-G-O-N-E-2-0, all one word, at checkout. You can find more information about CrimeCon on my Twitter and on Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, there is a Facebook group to talk about the Already Gone podcast. It's set to private, so your comments aren't out in the open. Just ask to join and we will add you to the group. We hope to see you there. Another way to show support to Already Gone is by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a five-star review. This helps others discover the show and the cases we discuss here. Thanks to Celasco, Patty2347, Rx Shelley, Diva Delish, C-H-A-M-A-C-A-E-S-Q, Telkip, and Julianne Serenity for taking the time to review the show. As always, thank you to Luke Superior. He creates the music you hear each week. You can find Luke on SoundCloud. And thanks to you, the listeners, and please, be safe.
Mom, delivery! You've been loading up on things from Walmart? Yeah, I used my new Capital One Walmart Rewards card. It earns unlimited 5% back on everything I buy from Walmart online. Say what? 5% back. Say what? 5% back. Say what now? 5% back! With what? The Capital One Walmart Rewards card. Earn unlimited rewards, including 5% back at Walmart online on top of Walmart's everyday low prices. What's in your wallet? Terms and exclusions apply. Capital One N.A. 